Hello, you're listening to a special episode of the New Statesman podcast from the New Statesman Spotlight team. We cover policy for those who shape it and the businesses it affects. I'm John Bernstein. In this episode, we're discussing how businesses can help their local communities by improving digital connectivity. The internet, of course, is vital to our economy, with 82% of jobs in the UK now requiring digital skills, according to the Digital Poverty Alliance. But surprisingly, perhaps, research conducted by Virgin Media O2 Business found that more than a third of people have been unable to complete simple tasks in the last year, such as booking a GP appointment online. Meanwhile, an additional third say that a lack of digital skills has held them back and held their earnings potential back. Limited access to connectivity, digital services and skills are restricting people and impacting their life outcomes. This is called digital exclusion and businesses can play a key role in helping to tackle it. By taking part in schemes with internet providers and charities, they can help their local communities get better connected while also contributing to ESG goals, environmental, social and governance. So how practically can organisations help to close the digital divide? Well, that's exactly what we're going to discuss today. Joining me from Virgin Media O2 Business, the sponsor of today's podcast, is Martin McFadden, Head of Public Sector. Also on the panel, we have three charity representatives. Emma Stone, Director of Evidence and Engagement at The Good Things Foundation. Emma Weston, Chief Executive at Digital Unite and Holly Smith, creative partner at the environmental charity Hubbub. Welcome all of you. Thank you so much for being here. Emma Stone, Good Things Foundation, I'll start with you, if I may. A little bit of context, if you wouldn't mind. Just just paint a picture for us in terms of what it means to people to be excluded. John, I think you are absolutely right when you described that research as shocking. Good Things Foundation is the UK's leading digital inclusion charity. We've been working on this for over 10 years. And one of the things we're really worried about is as the digital divide may be narrowing, it is deepening. And so therefore, the impacts on people who are locked out, that might be because they don't have a suitable device, they can't afford enough connectivity, uh, or they don't have the digital skills and confidence to be able to use it. We're really worried that the impact on those people is just going to deepen as more things that we all take for granted go online. So, I mean, imagine if you will, you are one of the one million households that through the cost of living crisis has had to cut their broadband connectivity and what that means for your children being able to do their homework at home at the same time. Or imagine you are one of the 10 million adults who lacks the digital basics to even be able to download an app. So NHS app, online banking app. And we know that there are also many people who may have a smartphone, may be able to use it for social media, but that doesn't mean to say they've either got the connectivity or the confidence to then be able to do things like, you know, book a GP appointment or, as I say, use online banking. And if your local bank has closed recently, that it has massive implications for your life. So we are really worried about uh, the digital divide. And it is it is shocking, as you said. Emma Weston, continuing in terms of painting a picture of the challenges faced, take it from a career point of view. What is the impact? I think from a career point of view, if you don't have digital skills and confidence, you're not getting on those career ladders. You're not progressing. You're not able to get the jobs that 
are changing because the digitization of the workforce requires us all to have digital skills. I mean, some recent research that's been out suggests that collectively there's a loss in earnings to UK employees of something like £5.5 billion, which is the gap between the earnings they would have if they had good digital skills and the earnings they have without those digital skills. Our education system uh, requires us to be online. So you've got children exiting their, their journeys out of education into further education, into employment, are all being impacted by the ability to write a CV, apply for a place wherever you want to go, uh, do the education that's required to get the jobs you want in the future. If you can't use technology, you're locked out from that. So you're disadvantaged from the get-go. And as the other Emma says, those disadvantages are getting deeper and deeper. In 2023, we have over 20 million people without good enough digital skills and confidence. In 2023, that's shocking. That digital engagement is about skills and confidence as well as connectivity and access. But of particular interest to Digital Unite is the skills piece. So we're quite focused on those numbers. They're bad numbers. Martin, Emma and Emma have painted a picture depressing in some ways, but what is the opportunity here? What, what, what should businesses be doing? I think the important thing is to recognise that businesses need to stake a claim in fixing the challenge that Emma and Emma have outlined. And it's imperative that we look at the um, ESG plans across organisations and how we can address the, the clear and apparent challenges that uh, have been outlined already. But it's not solely on businesses to address that. It requires the whole ecosystem to come together. And that is to say that it's the responsibility of the private sector, the public sector and the voluntary charity and social enterprises all to collaborate together because no one organisation can address the challenges that have been outlined to the magnitude that they, they exist today. And a perfect example of where that has been very well executed uh, would be in Greater Manchester, where through our partnership with Greater Manchester Combined Authority, combined with our partnerships with Digital Unite, we actually launched our Connect More programme, where that was around making sure that following the delivery of connectivity across Greater Manchester that we had provided, that the people and the citizens of that region were then able to access the systems and the services that they need to be able to get access to. And the success of that programme has been such that we've actually now rolled it out nationally. So Manchester was the birthplace and we've now come down to London and up to Falkirk in Scotland and lots of places in between uh, and equally extended that out into the health sector um, as well to Emma's earlier point around NHS app and more digitally enabling patients to, to access data, information and records um, on there. The partnership has been really critical to the success of it. We couldn't have done that as our, as our own organisation at Virgin Media O2 Business. It was in Paramount that we had the partnership with my colleagues uh, sitting beside me, as well as with Greater Manchester Combined Authority uh, themselves. Um, and, and again, the evidence of that is through the, the partnership with Digital Unite around making sure that we've got the skills available and hubbub around putting the devices and Good Things Foundation supporting that as well to make sure that we're putting them into the hands of those who need it most and then giving them the skills to learn. And that's a team play. And we'll explore those themes and those ideas in a, in a second. And we'll also come back and discuss the whole issue of ESG and how businesses approach that. But before we do, so yeah, talking about the practical examples, Holly, from Hubbub, tell me about your partnership with Virgin Media O2 Business. Absolutely. So we've been in partnership with VMO2 since 2020, when we set up the community calling scheme at the start of the pandemic to help digitally isolated people. 
we obviously wanted to get phones into the hands of people who needed it during that time. And since then, we've connected 16,000 people, so that's 16,000 phones, out into the community, through community groups, into the hands of people who need phones and connectivity. And we had a huge success from asking the public and mostly from Virgin Media Road 2's business connections. So going through their network to ask their business partners if they had phones to donate, both as individuals, employees giving up their phones through staff engagement programmes and also as a business, looking across their offices and seeing where they had phones left over. So this was about getting the phones that weren't in use. I mean, I'm kind of thinking very old phones, but presumably not just old phones Tell me about it. Not just old phones. So there are estimates out there saying that for every one phone we have in use, there could be up to four sitting forgotten. Some of these are smartphones. Obviously, it's very hard to estimate what's in people's drawers. But uh, the low end of the estimate is 28 million phones being unused in the UK. And from an environmental perspective, that is a huge waste. All the effort and materials and resources that go into manufacturing those. And then on a social level, that those phones aren't being used by people who need them. We'll explore some other examples in a moment. Martin, I just want to come back to you briefly. And we talked about ESG. You mentioned it at the top. These goals can often feel large. They can feel overwhelming. I mean, we're combining environmental, social and governance to begin with. That's a lot to chew. And then I just wonder in the current economic environment, has that shaped how businesses are responding to ESG or their efforts towards ESG? Yeah, I would say it would be... a. a critical factor in organisations as they look at resources, particularly around constrained resources within organisations. Cost of living crisis isn't exclusive to people's personal lives. It has an impact on business life as well. Uh, And therefore, as people are looking at the um, organisational resource and headcount that's available, then they clearly want to make sure that there's an adequate portion of that staffing is towards the business objectives, the business outcomes. And that's clearly about, in most cases, delivering profitability and revenue goals to, to shareholders. But equally, organisations have to recognise that there is a growing social conscience within the consumer behaviour, regardless of whether that's in people's home lives or in the business-to-business um, environment. And organisations and people want to do business with organisations who care. And do you get the sense that these organisations are up for it or are they being dragged kicking and screaming? I would say there's very much um, a divide on on that one. I think the status one in four organisations aren't quite sure whether they even have an ESG strategy. And some of those challenges are based on predominantly the private sector, not really understanding how they balance some of the um, kind of... uh, challenges that they've got to face into uh, and about third of all organisations really struggle with how do they resource it, how do they fund it, how do they plan for it and make it a real part of their strategy going forward. It's a smaller percentage when it comes to public sector organisations because profitability isn't necessarily a focus for them but equally running on constrained budgets um, that public sector is focusing in on is a factor for that. So it is something that uh, people are struggling to understand how they can best execute their plans uh, and deliver against it. But for me, if you're not doing it and you're not got this as a top priority at the exec level within the organisation, then you're not really delivering any social conscience to your customers and therefore you're delivering what you're expected to do in terms of a product and a service. And that's not how people buy anymore. I think there's also a real missed sort of nugget here about ESG behaviours and corporates, which is that 
In terms of the culture of the business and the employees in that business, providing opportunities that meet those goals for the corporate entity, but actually satisfy some personal goals for the employees within it. So you get a double whammy there. And I think that's often really, really overlooked. Um, the way we've been working with uh, Virgin Media O2 Business is that we've been using employee volunteering time to train those employees to be digital champions, to go into the community, to support the skills growth in the community. So you've got the business satisfying a corporate business goal on the face of things, but you driving it through engagement with the employee base and delivering value to them, increasing retention, increasing well-being, increasing satisfaction in the workplace. So I think if, if corporates could see that a little bit more clearly, it would it would cease to separate ESG as this sort of target for mammon and and integrate it into something that's behavioural. Do you see what I mean? I understand that, and it feels to me maybe this is a too cynical way of of approaching this, but there has to be that sort of where altruism meets self interest for these yeah. organisations as well. I don't think it's cynical. I think it's highly pragmatic. Everyone has to get something out of these things. So that's the corporate, the employee, community, and the end learners. And I think if everyone's got a little tick in their box there, you're creating something for the greater good. It's the, it's the sum of its parts. I don't think we need to be cynical about that. I think we can be highly pragmatic about that. As Holly said, you know, get people to give the phones they've got in their drawers. You know, that we've all got bits of this puzzle and it, it's not rocket science to join that up with, with good leadership. I think that's the critical bit. Very good. Let's talk more practical examples of this in action. Emma Stone, talk to me about the uh, National device bank? Yeah, so actually the National Device Bank is a really great example of what we've all been talking about here and how you can bring the environmental and social together. And it is part of that wider puzzle, which we need at all all levels of society, really. So during the pandemic, Good Things Foundation, we were acutely aware that across our network of community organisations UK-wide, a lot of them had to close their doors they were doors to places where people could access the internet, the skills, the support, the connectivity and use computers, use laptops, etc. So when those doors closed, we realised that they knew in their local communities that there would be households, there'd be individuals, people living alone, people with families who had absolutely no access to a device or to connectivity. So through the two years where the pandemic was most intense and lockdown, we managed to work with business partners and we distributed 22,000 devices out through those organisations. Those were new devices. So coming out of the pandemic and really for us thinking about how can we support more environmental sustainability as well, we wanted to think how can we change that model, therefore setting up the National Device Bank to invite businesses of a larger scale and businesses who may be in areas where there isn't a local scheme or a local repair cafe to think how they can donate their unwanted end-of-life IT because what's end-of-life IT for a business still may have several years of good life left in it that we can then distribute out to organisations in our network. So we are working with 70 businesses at the moment. Many of them have already donated. Others are actively exploring it. They're from different sectors, retail, publishing, as well as tech and telecoms. And the brilliant thing is that we're able to pair those devices, the ones that are of a good enough quality to be refurbed, with free mobile data from the National Data Bank, which is something that Virgin Media O2 was uh, brilliant enough 
to work with us and to get that set up, which also just speaks to that point of collaboration across businesses as well as with the public sector and with the voluntary sector. And just to take you back to the beginning of that project, it took a pandemic. So it it took a pandemic for us to think about what additionally we could do around devices and data connectivity. We run um, a national network. Uh, We've got over 3,000 different community organisations, libraries. There are some housing associations, homelessness hostels, a real mix of organisations in that network. And what they all have in common is in a smaller or larger way, they try to respond to local needs. And up until the pandemic, predominantly, We focused on supporting people to get online, to use our learning platform, Learn My Way. So it's that basics around being able to learn how to use the internet. It was the pandemic that really shone the light on, actually, we need to enable people to access that in their own homes when they're out and about, not only in valuable places like libraries and community centres, but in their own homes, because really... With the rate of digital transformation happening across every service, every sector, everything we do, you know, from health to jobs to learning to just keeping in touch with your family and keeping in touch with the news, you know, all of that now needs digital. And so so that's where our new strategy is focused. I would say, John, just to, to, to kind of bring in on the, the timing of it and pandemic related, um, it was something that we'd been working on, the partnerships as we put in our response to the procurement from Greater Manchester Combined Authority, which was pre-pandemic. And as part of that, we had clearly worked with Greater Manchester to understand the challenges that they faced and how they wanted to address the economy and homelessness, for instance, that they had. And as part of our the procurement process and our response, they clearly had social value embedded within the procurement. And what we've just been talking about was largely underpinned by our response within that procurement as to how we would address um, some of the the challenges that Greater Manchester were seeking to do through the procurement as they acted uh, in accordance with the Social Value Act and putting that into their procurement um, clearly. So um, whilst it is pandemic timing, um, it it was work that had been underway for 12, 18 months beforehand in order to make sure that we were aligned uh, to be able to deliver that service. And as we say, it's it's grown from there uh, and, and gone national now, which is fantastic. Got it. Excellent stuff. Before we start thinking about wrapping up, I've got a final question I'd like to put to all of you. Just another example. Holly, do you have another example you want to share with us in terms of this kind of thing in action? Yeah, absolutely. I think this this union of, of environmental and social, I would say perhaps the pandemic was a bit of a moment for us as an environmental charity because we were looking at tech recycling in general because the UK is the second largest producer of e-waste in the world. And then the pandemic hit and we thought, how do we bring this social value to a tech recycling project? And actually, it fused really well with other projects that we do where environmental and social go hand in hand. So we run a network of community fridges across the UK. We've got about 500 at the moment where companies, families can take surplus food, take food. It's not means tested. And that's really a way of reducing food waste across the country. And I think it chimes really well with community calling and from Community Calling, we've been able to step that up to something called the Tech Donation Programme, which Virgin Media 2 Business are supporting, which I think is really eliminating the barriers that a lot of businesses have faced in terms of creating that environmental and social impact through tech donation. Yes, I think I was struggling with making the connection between the environmental, the social and the connectivity. 
I think you might have answered my question. A final question for you all, and briefly, if you wouldn't mind, a final thought. Uh, One thing from this conversation you'd like to leave listeners with. Martin, I'm looking at you. I'd like to start with you, please. Keep it fairly brief, please. But one thing you'd like to leave the listener with. I think for me, the real important point is collaboration, partnerships, working together across public, private and the VCSE sector. We need to do this together. We need to address the challenges that we face. And there's benefit and value to be gained to everybody as a result of it. And therefore, there should be no inhibitions uh, about how we approach the partnership way of working. Emma Weston, a final thought, please. I am a big uh, believer in the potential of people. And so, you know, one of the mechanisms we've been championing for years and years is this idea of champions and digital champions. And I think businesses have a massive role to play in that with employee engagement and volunteering. But I think every single person who can use a smartphone can help someone else who can't. And I'd call on us all to remember that we can change someone's life for the better in a very small way every day. And I think if collectively we embrace that as an opportunity, I, I it's a big call on corporates and businesses to do their bit. I think you have a great role to play here. I still think we as everyday citizens should also model our behaviours and our thoughtfulness around digital and what we can do. Emma Stone, a final thought, please. So I'm going to lift it up a bit to think about government policy at a national level. And we were really delighted, and I'm sure others felt the same. The House of Lords Communications and Digital Committee, they published a report over the summer, which was around digital exclusion. And among the many very important, valuable recommendations in there, including the points around collaboration, was that government should be leading the way on encouraging more businesses within the public sector and also within the commercial sector to to donate tech and to think about extended life use and to think about how we can bring these together. However, I think the big message here for people who are working in businesses is don't wait for government to lead the way. Um, There are solutions out there. There are ways in, in which you can do this. And actually, one of the things that I've been so pleased to to find is that businesses which are already donating tech to the National Device Bank, I'm sure it's the same with Hubbub as well, are finding that actually the process can be simple, can be streamlined, it can be much, much less stressful than people might anticipate as long as you've got a reputable partner in place like Hubbub, like Good Things Foundation. So don't wait, get in touch, find out more about how you can do it because it is people, it is champions who really get this to happen and it makes such a difference in people's lives. Very good. Holly, final thought. Okay, jumping on from Emma Weston's comment about us being individuals and the power of individual action, I'm going to move on from businesses and say that if you are an individual with a phone at home, please go to hubbub.org.uk slash community calling and you can sign up to donate your phone. If it's in a bad state, it will get recycled. But if not, we'll try and rehome it with somebody who needs it. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much, Holly, Emma, Emma and Martin. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find more of Spotlight's policy reporting in our standalone podcast feed or the New Statesman's Spotlight website. The links are in the show notes. I'm John Bernstein. Our producer has been Catherine Hughes. Thank you all for listening.